Oh, are, oh yeah. Did, are, did we decide if we're cursing? We're cursing. I think it's okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just so sprinkle it in there. Right, are you guys ready? Yes. Deep breath. Welcome to the Moms for Social Justice podcast, where we talk about how you can make your community a more awesome place. It's our first episode, and in this one, Mari, Taylor, and I discuss imposter syndrome, how it affects our work, and how it can manifest itself in lots of different ways, like running for local office. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, hey, MSJ, welcome to the first ever Moms for Social Justice podcast, episode one. So exciting. We are so uh, thrilled to have you join us. I'm Taylor. And I'm Mari. I'm Rosie. And we are the Moms for Social Justice. We are a progressive grassroots organization encouraging parents to fight for social change in their own backyard because we know that's where we can make the most change and the most impact, right? For sure. It's easy to get overwhelmed with what's going on at a state and federal level, and we know that we do, uh, but we know we can make real substantive change in our own communities. And that's what we're trying to do in our community, and we'd like to encourage you to do that in your own. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Local government matters. No doubt, it matters who sits on the school board who sits on the the city council and goodness we know that on a very deep level so how are you guys feeling are you nervous excited that we're finally finally starting this podcast that we have been talking about for (laughs) years i'm good i'm just i'm just thirsty i i think we should all i don't have a mug because i don't drink coffee but i have a water bottle and it Oh, look at that. Uh (laughs) Nice. Oh, I think mine's one of our local attractions that is so strange and wonderful. Listen, Rock City is a magical place that everyone should try to visit at least once in their lives. Honestly, I think all of our tourist traps are strange and wonderful. Yes. (laughs) The three tourist traps of Chattanooga, Rock City, Ruby (laughs) Falls, and the Incline. I feel the same way. The first time I visited Chattanooga, we went to Ruby Falls and it was just this really surreal experience because it is this breathtaking, you know, underground cavern with a waterfall at the end. And for some reason, Tennessee feels the need to add like music, lights and music, and lights. Uh, it's not as the, the natural wonder is not enough. We have to like jazz up this experience with flashy like lights camp. and music. We like camp. Appar- yes, apparently. We embrace it more than we admit. First, we're going to dive into what's on our hearts just to kind of loosen up a little before we dive into our heavy topic, right? I think that's a really good starting point for each of these, you know, to just kind of talk about what's what's top of mind and maybe what's going on. Uh, in our personal spheres or in our community. So Mari, do you want to start us off with that? Sure. First, I have to say, hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. That's what's on my mind. I'm sure it's on lots of people's minds because we can't escape the hot pink. But yeah, I've, I've enjoyed listening and watching the discourse about the Barbie movie. I had a great time watching it with a close friend and then also watching it with my mom and my daughter and kind of seeing how it affected each generation differently and how our relationship to Barbie um, has changed over the years. So I'm, I'm loving 
loving hearing all of the the feminist talk around it and also loving hearing uh mediocre white men up in their angry feelings <laughs> about, about it. <laughs> those have been my favorite uh seeing those memes did you both play with barbies growing up yes because okay. I, I did it my sister did but i i did not so i was like kind of skeptical honestly going into the barbie movie but it was fantastic yeah. and i can't wait i think it's out now yeah so yeah. i, I, I can't wait to show my kids the barbie movie because i think they'll yeah. both really like it yeah well Same. and um it sort of inspired you know uh we always march in the pride parade as a group as an organization and we were talking about you know, it's kind of fun to do a theme. Last year was kind of the first time we did that. We all wore like fairy wings. So we were like mom fairies sort of. And so this year we were like, we should be like affirming mom Barbie or just Barbies. And in talking with one of our awesome, creative, talented members, Karina, she had the idea to maybe make buttons that say MSJ and then a blank and then Barbie underneath. So you could kind of fill in. So like, That's you so know, cute. inclusive librarian Barbie and... <laughs> Things Love like it. that. So I think that will be pretty fun. So we will be all decked out in hot pink and high ponytails in the Chattanooga Pride Parade. Inclusive librarian Barbie. That's <laughs> what we need. I just who who would have thought that here we are in 2023, where being a librarian is one of the most like badass revolutionary <laughs> jobs that you could possibly have at this point. I mean, these are. These are people who are on the front line of defending the First Amendment. I kind of love it. And I feel like they are, they've always been badasses. But I think that like, I, I wish they didn't have to deal with all the hate and the pushback and the death threats. We could just move that aside and let them just be like warrior librarians. I totally agree with you. It seems like they were ready for it, right? They like threw on their capes and like made their glasses, adjusted them. Right. Sorry, we could go on about our love for, we love, for we our love public librarians. For Barbie and librarians. What's on my heart? Yeah, yeah. what's on your heart? Uh, something heavier is um, like major life transitions. I have somebody in my family that's right, right now going through a major life transition where she's in the process of getting a divorce. And then also her dog passed away recently, like, two days ago and that this was like before she, the dog that she had before she had kids so this was like her first baby Aww. so it's like a lot and um, I listened to uh, a plain English podcast that was on the the host had just become a father and he had a, a an author on who has a book about kind of dealing with major life transitions and building up that resiliency and yeah it's, it's just hard and I'm, I'm curious when you guys have gone through a major transition like that, what have been your sources of comfort or have, how have you found some sort of normalcy in the storm? Therapy. <laughs> Therapy's great for so many things. And I will say this family member, she does have a therapist. I, I, I thankfully haven't, I, I have kids, so obviously I've been through like a major <laughs> life transition. That's always a big life transition, but I think it's so important to find the things that bring you joy and to continue to like, even if you feel like you don't have time for them, to make time for them um, because that is what keeps you who you are and, and grounds you, I think. And so I, fi I find a lot of joy in like playing video games and, and, and just play in general. 
um, and, and painting. I'm urging my family member to continue to like take care of herself and what are the things that, that make her happy. I bought her like a little, like a nail set so she can like do her nails and have a little self-care mm-hmm. moment. That's what I was going to say. Cause I'm not always very good at it. I'm thinking through my life and when there's been big transitions and a lot of times I just kind of go into myself and disassociate rather than do the mm. things that bring me joy. And so you can learn from my mistakes. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't Take care of yourself. <laughs> yes. Painting and, you know, uh, reading. And going eating large amounts of cheese. Well, that's always good unless um, you're lactose yeah. <laughs> Um <laughs> But yeah, I, I think that's a great thing to do. And maybe, you know, maybe even more helpful would be to help whoever in your life is going through something difficult, or if it's yourself, try to find ways to make time for those things. Because I feel like it's one thing just to say, don't forget to make time to take care of yourself. And it's another thing to be like, here's a way you could do it, you know, set a timer or, um, you know, pick one thing that you know, you want to do for yourself this week, you know, start out small, things like that. I think um, that's a, a good way to encourage including those behaviors in your life. Oh, I make a, I make a checklist of like, well, sorry, I have like a main quest for the day and then I have side quests. And on my side quest, I always make sure I include like a little, you know, I want to paint or I want to like play video games for half an hour or something like that. Some little thing for myself. And it conquer your day like a, like a mage or a, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so nerdy. I'm sorry. No, never apologize for your nerdiness. I love that. Yeah, that does not surprise me in the least about you, Rosie, that you give yourself side quests. I love that because we make checklists for so many things. We manage, especially as mothers, I feel like we are managing multiple checklists uh, for different buckets of our lives. So the idea that we would make... Exactly. (laughs) We are definitely going to save that for another conversation. Oh, yeah. Uh, because that's that's a whole a whole big subject we could talk mm-hmm. ad nauseum about. But the idea that you could make uh, a self care checklist that you are you know being intentional about doing things for yourself, I love that. That's not something that I do, and I'm gonna take that inspiration from both of you and and try that myself. Awesome. Yeah, I think it's so helpful just writing it down for whatever reason for me. Yep, sets it in my mind of like, oh, this is something I need to do. And we could be accountability accountability buddies and say, self-care what side quest are you working on uh, to yeah that's that is a with that family member i've been checking in with her and saying like have you taken care of you know what did you do for yourself today oh uh, that's I good think that's important yeah that's important is yeah rather than just you know i know taylor you've been going through some heavy stuff in your life and you know hearing from people and sometimes you know you can be in a good headspace and then you get the text message that's asking and it's coming from a really kind place but you know maybe instead of like how are you more like you know how have you taken care of yourself today or um you did know, you do something friends... fun today or what did you enjoy yeah today? exactly yeah, yeah I, I like that a lot so Taylor, yeah, I love that. What's, oh goodness, yeah. What's been on your heart? Well, I think what's on my heart today is, you know, I did something hard last night, at least for myself. There was this fancy-ish fundraiser for an organization that we really believe in and support, Arts Build. 
it's a it's an organization that has been active in our community since 1969 i learned last night which is wild to me uh, supporting local artists and advocates and different programs you know both in, in education and just all throughout our county and i really wanted to go to this event but i couldn't find anybody to go with me and even though i really present as an extrovert i am really an introvert and those you know kinds of things are are difficult for me and the idea of going to this event by myself seemed really hard and overwhelming but i got a lot of encouragement from from friends including you know you all and i did it i put my big girl pants on actually i put a fancy dress on and heels and some lipstick and I did it. And I, I was really proud of myself in that moment. You know, there were, there were some minutes of social awkwardness, but I overcame it and I, you know, made some new friends last night, including an art teacher who drove from an hour and a half away to be there last night. She, she's an art teacher in rural Tennessee and she services every school in her county. So she's the art teacher for five different schools. And that is indicative of how our state values arts education. Mm -hmm. And that's what last night was all about, uh, how important supporting the arts is uh, to, the, to the overall health and how our communities thrive. Oh, yeah, 100%. Artsfield recently launched a really exciting program. I don't know if they talked about this last night, but it's the Periscope program. They did um, a version of it in Nashville, and so they're going to do it for three years here. But it's a year-long um, artist entrepreneurship kind of mentorship program where they have classes to teach artists of, of you know, and we're not just talking visual arts, but music and dance and all, all kinds of different arts, art forms um, and how they can, like, monetize their passion and turn it into a living and then they they're get matched up with a mentor and create a business plan and a presentation it's really cool yeah um, it's cool they talked about that quite a bit last night and it was it was really cool to see some of the the artists that they're supporting with programs uh, like that and to see performances from a lot of local artists and then you know what was really exciting for me is they brought in one of my all-time favorite you know, Broadway actors, of course, he's now in film and television as well. But Alan Cumming yes. was there last night, which he's forever my MC for all you cabaret fans. Oh, yeah. So it was just a, a treat to be able to see this really singular talent in our community there to, to celebrate art in, in spaces where sometimes it's not always um, safe to be an artist or be different. And, and he talked about that quite a bit, what it's like to be visiting you know, a place that as a queer man, he's sitting in a space that has passed so many anti-LGBT and anti-trans legislation in the last year alone, what that felt like for him emotionally and mentally. And what he continually said last night is just how important it is that there are those of us here who, who are you know, parents of queer children, queer themselves, and supporters of, of marginalized peoples and, and marginalized communities, right? Because we know we live and exist in these red states. So it's important that we continue to show up and cultivate safe spaces for people who don't always feel safe. And so last night just really felt like a beautiful safe space for all of us. You know, I'm sure we've encountered people that say, 
that see all the stuff that's happening in, in our state and we're like why are you still there and it's like well we need to be here because we as white women on all the middle class income scale we we need to be here to protect and uplift the people who can't who don't have the option to leave we need to make it a better place for everybody ourselves and and them as well um agreed and i'm so glad that you took yourself out on a date it's like another self-care moment right thank you yes i will i was proud of myself and you know rosie to your point before we move on i just want to quickly you know say you know we need to remember too that the the south and tennessee specifically is not lost last night can give us big, big hope in that, that particular, you know, space when we saw some huge progressive wins last night, you know, Freddie Mm O'Connell won the mayoral race for Nashville. He won on an overtly and unapologetic progressive platform. Afton Ben, you know, won, won that seat that has not been held by a woman in 51 years. She is the youngest to serve in the Tennessee house. Uh, And then Tennessee elected its first transgender uh, woman to Metro City Council in Nashville, Mm -hmm. Olivia Hill. I mean, that that is huge. That is monumental. Yes, there's I think I feel like so much of the negative stuff uh, about the South and Tennessee is what you see on the national news outlets. But then we do have these moments of hope um, like the you know, like the Tennessee three. Right. Um, who, even though they were shut down by our supermajority, they still serve as a beacon that there are people who really care about Tennesseans, about the South and want to do the right thing. And it's just a matter of getting those people into office and, and getting and encouraging your friends to run who you know believe those things. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a beautiful segue to bring us to what kind of what we wanted to talk about today. And we took a long way getting there, but I think that's okay because we're ultimately we're friends who who work with one another. So we like to check in with each other and know what's going on, uh, both personally and kind of how we're feeling about the social climate of of being progressive activists living in the deep south. Uh, that's a, I don't know y'all, sometimes that's that's hard, but last night it felt it felt good to see those wins. What, what we wanted to start really this first conversation about is to talk about, you know, how we started uh, Moms for Social Justice and how we did not let imposter syndrome keep us from doing that. And we know that, you know, imposter syndrome is something that's talked about. I think it's talked about a lot in corporate culture. Mm-hmm. That's kind of one of those buzzwords that gets thrown around. But I think it's a, a real legitimate thing. And I think it specifically and especially finds itself keeping women from doing things in their own lives and, and professionally. You know, and for for us, we can go back maybe just a little bit and talk about what that space felt like back in 2017 when we started Moms for Social Justice. I'd be curious to hear like what mot- what motivated you to st- to start and how come you- how come you weren't afraid? You know, I think we can all put our ourselves back in that headspace of what it felt like to be in those first few months of the previous administration and we can decide at a later point how we want to refer the the uh, the Cheeto. Those first few months were really, I think, emotionally jarring for for the over half the country, you Mm -hmm. know, who thought we were going to see the first woman elected. (laughs) 
it was a it was a really a remorseful time for a lot of us and we were seeing just outrage after outrage happen you know betsy devos as the head of public education uh, stripping trans rights from military service it, it just felt like every day brought a new outrageous you know onslaught of of abuse but for us really the catalyst and the moment that we we could not sit idly anymore was the unite the right hate rally in charlottesville virginia mm. and i'm sure you know you remember that rosie it was it was very disturbing you know and like to your point c coming off of the the eight years of the obama administration where we felt like there was progress happening to a lot of these social issues and then i think everybody was very taken taken aback when the cheeto won and then to see that rhetoric be normalized and people taking that and feeling empowered to be pup be say the quiet part out loud to be public in their hate it's very very disturbing yeah you know and to have the you know then commander-in-chief uh, call white supremacists very fine people mm. You know that was really that was really that moment that watershed moment for us as parents you know of, of then very young children realizing that there was a distinct possibility that 20 years from now our kids would look at us you know like how we we asked our parents you know where were you for the moon landing or jfk's assassination you know there are specific moments in history where our kids want to know what you were doing, what you were thinking, what you did in those moments. And we felt like that period of time could quite possibly be one of those uh, where our kids would look us in the face and say, hey, mom, what were you doing during that moment of really great racial reckoning and a call for, you know, real hard looks at our past, our present and what we want our future to be. And Mari, you can jump in like what that was like, where we just sat across from one another. So what started as a conversation in a messenger thread where most good conversations start uh, about how we felt as moms, uh, it, it became something more. We decided we needed to do something like actually not just on the Internet. We needed to do something in our community. And so we started to talk about opportunities in our area for parents, especially parents with young kids. And there was a rally against the Charlottesville rally and against racism here in Chattanooga. And before, like two days before it happened, there were rumors that there were going to be people there with weaponry that were not on our side of things. And it was really scary. And of course, I know we have the privilege, privilege to be able to say, maybe I don't want to be in that space with my children. But we decided that there wasn't really a stepping stone into activism and community engagement uh, for parents of young children. We met in your living room, Taylor, and started talking about what is now Moms for Social Justice that has been around for six years last month. It's exciting. And I think the reason that imposter syndrome didn't really play a part in us creating this organization is because we didn't know what it was going to be. At first, we thought if it's just the four of us going out and finding opportunities to do things, and we maybe invite a few friends from the PTA or from our neighborhood to join us, then that's great. But then we found that a lot of other people in our area felt very similarly and were looking for a way 
to get involved, um, to volunteer, to create a community within our community that feels similarly about things and don't want to just post on Facebook about how upset they are about something or share a meme, which that's fine. There's nothing wrong with doing that, but you know, we would hope it would be paired with action. So that's why I don't think that imposter syndrome played a big part in starting a nonprofit organization <laughs> because we didn't know we were going to be a nonprofit organization yeah. that, you know, has been interviewed by national news outlets and all that, you know, we have meetings with our mayor and our superintendent. Like now we do the big things and they're not as scary because we kind of built up to it. But I, mean, I totally agree, Mari. And I think also there was just such a sense of urgency. Yes. you know, the climate in the nation at the time, and it really hasn't let up, let's be honest, since then, it felt so, so deeply divided. And just the the racial tension felt palpable, certainly in the South at that moment that we really didn't feel, I think that that sense of trepidation, or can we do this? Or should we do this? Because we felt like we had to do this, we had to do something. Because we didn't want to look our kids in the face 20 years from now and say, yes, it was crazy. But I really crafted a fantastic tweet about my outrage that didn't feel that didn't feel sufficient. But as MSG has, has grown, I'm sure in that journey, you felt moments of imposter syndrome or when you know, like a national news outlet wants to interview one of you, sort of this moment of like, wait, uh, me, us? Me? <laughs> yeah. I'm just there, a mom. <laughs> there are definitely moments where I know we have all felt that way, you know, walking into a room of elected officials um, to speak about something that we feel very passionately about you know, where we've had those moments of self-doubt, self like I don't belong in this room, I don't have the qualifications or the all of the my facts in order, so I shouldn't be the one speaking up. I think over time we have learned that a lot of the people sitting in those, those seats of public office <laughs> also don't have uh, what we would, you know, like to consider the qualifications or the facts lined up. There's no, there's no magic fairy dust that is sprinkled on these elected officials. Mm -hmm. There's no secret sauce. They're just, as you attend these meetings, uh, you realize, oh, they're just regular people. And sometimes, a lot of the times, actually, they get things wrong. Um, and so, I, yeah, I feel like that definitely uh, removes that, that scary feeling of this is something that I can't do once you start witnessing what's really going on. Um, and I think it's also really helpful also like to have role models and community and support. The great thing about MSJ is that you all started it as a group and that makes it a lot easier to do scary things. Even, even if you, you know, at the time you didn't know like how big or yeah. MSJ would get. No, a hundred percent. And I think that's part of what we've tried to continue to do is model the behavior that we would want to see more of. You know, the quote, be the change you wish to see, for instance, speaking at the school board. I know both, all three of us have spoken in front of the school board and the first time it was terrifying. And then now, you know, we get up there and we're like, hey guys, you recognize <laughs> me? Yep, I'm back. <laughs> and I think 
for other people to see that it's important because we're seeing the other side for lack of a better terminology and not let imposter syndrome stop them and to get up and say awful wild wild incorrect misinformation uh in those spaces and we don't want folks to only see that and think that that's what you have to do you have to put on a show a performative instance where you're reading books that are clearly out of context with curse words or sexual ex sexually explicit acts being described and saying this is what all books are like so i know taylor you had mentioned you know that that concept that folks have on the other side of things uh, that are have no problem speaking up and yeah. don't let imposter syndrome stop. Them. I think that's I think that's an important point to just keep in mind because I think as what I what I would like to say as liberal minded people we we love to feel uh, well informed we love to feel uh, prepared and that we have you know a fully detailed fact sheet you know behind us before we get up and say anything and th I think that's that's fine and good and we should strive towards that but you know to your to your point Mari the other side has no issue uh, getting up and you know, spreading Lying. very confidently misinformation, wild accusations and, you know, medical degrees from YouTube and, you know, education degrees uh, from, from, from YouTube. <laughs> if they're not going to let imposter syndrome stop them from getting up and speaking loudly their, their perspective and point of view, then we shouldn't either. And I think that also really translates well into not letting imposter syndrome stop you from thinking about running for office. It's, it's very intimidating and, and scary and you don't know where to start. Like to that, to that point when I, I was interested in social justice and activism for a long time, but I didn't know where to start. So when I overheard at the library one day, the word social justice, I like, my ears perked up, I went over and I met Taylor and that's how I was introduced to MSJ, which has just been so awesome. And it's, it's really- Imagine meeting liberals in the public library. <laughs> Don't go there, it's a scary space. Um, and so to, to that point, yeah, running, doing something like running for office or starting a nonprofit is really intimidating and scary when you don't know where to start. And that's why it's so important to, if you're interested in something like that, to start just like putting your nose in places and you're going to discover communities of people that you never knew existed that will be so happy to support you, so excited to help you run or start uh, something and like to your point Taylor you know you going to that event last night on your own and then meeting some new people I mean that's what you have to do is you just have to kind of like take a step out a little bit put yourself out a little bit even though it's really scary because mm -hmm. you can find really incredible people out there and that's part of what we try to do and uh, this is a great segue into an event that we're hosting at the end of this month and the beginning of next month is a you know run for the school board 101, because we have had folks from within our ranks, as they say, from Moms for Social Justice leadership, who have gone on to win um, elected office. We have a alum that is a, uh, now a 
vice mayor and then we have a school board candidate and um it's been amazing watching them you know from the moment they messaged us and said i think i'm gonna do this to now they you know hold the seat and it's been an incredible journey and i feel like by giving folks the tools to succeed and the tools to feel that empowerment and they just sometimes people just need one person to say you can do this it's fine and so as an organization putting an event on like that uh where we'll we'll interview and hear from former school board candidates uh current folks holding office about what it's like i feel like that that might be that catalyst that someone needs to know okay these folks did it while they're poised and wonderful and smart they're also maybe a little bit like me and then also hey there's this organization putting this on that is here to support me you know we're we're not in a position to support folks financially as we're an all volunteer led organization but we can canvas we can share social media posts we can hold events i'll design your we logo do help design your logo rosie's done that many times uh facebook live interviews with candidates yeah. uh, because you know we find that people really do want to get involved in their community and they do want to get involved in local politics but just like rosie said they don't know where to begin so whether it's informing you about a candidate in the school district that's running or it's hosting an event that tells you yourself how to run for office or for school board you know, we try to be that that educational tool uh, for for folks just starting out. Yeah, because as we said at the beginning, it it really matters uh, who sits on your school board. You know, for for those of us who have children attending public school, it matters a great deal. And I think on a grander scale, we can talk a little bit about our our state senate uh, nominee Gloria Johnson, who. Yeah you know, could have easily let imposter syndrome keep her from even that initial run for office, because let's be honest, like she, she comes from a public school background. She was a teacher. Yes. Oh, and to, to move from that position as a public servant, you know, serving in our public schools to listening to you know, the voices of her community, asking her to run for that seat, which had long been held by a, a, a staunch Republican male, and to take that seat and to really be such a strong advocate and voice for the people to the extent that she is now running to take Marsha Blackburn's seat. It's just such an inspiration. It is. And I just, I just want to point out like I'm sure Glory Johnson's schedule is very full and she's very busy right now and I've se I've we've seen her on the news on like CNN and stuff and NB MSNBC she's doing all these interviews but um she has made time to uh come to our vir virtual event and I think that speaks volumes about who she is as a person and also vol uh, volumes about like how important these local elections really are because at the local level, that's where you're going to see the most impact in your day-to-day -day life. Uh, it's important to get people in there that align with what you believe and will actually listen to their constituents, which is also a problem that we're encountering where we're having a lot of uh, folks, Republicans, just kind of like doing whatever they want to do and not actually mm -hmm. listening to what uh, their constituents want to see happen in their city or county or state. 
or just straight up kicking them out if they don't like what they have to say. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. And yeah, as everyone's aware, Glory was part of that movement. And um, I think it's really exciting to see how she's already, you know, standing tall and standing up uh, because Marsha Blackburn is already like on the attack. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's yeah. already coming for her. Um, but I. She has a whole website dedicated to radical Gloria. <sighs> I was thinking she's taking a page from the Cheetos book of uh, putting an adjective before someone's name so that anytime they think of that person. Well, we are so excited about uh, Gloria Johnson's run. We need to get shirts made that we are the moms for Gloria. And bye-bye Blackburn. And Uh, bye-bye Blackburn. I like that one. (laughs) Let it be true. Yes. What, from from your lips, Rosie, to St. Dolly's ears. we pray yeah well you know i think that's a really a really good message you know leading us to to how we can wrap this conversation of you know we have to remember that as parents we have overcome the the greatest imposter syndrome uh, instance imaginable right because nothing no one can prepare you for what parenthood is like. I read those books and they were not yeah, enough. Same. <laughs> same. Yeah, they were not enough. And yet we show up for our kids every day because we have to. And we, and make, we figure it out. We make mistakes every day, but, but that's okay. And I think, yeah, as also like as an organization that's part of overcoming imposter syndrome is having grace and understanding that you are going to make mistakes and just being able to acknowledge when that happens and to own it and to do like we have that Mm -hmm. saying of no better do better i i think having that growth mindset is is huge and and like i don't know how to do this yet uh, but i'm going to learn and i'm going to figure out just like how we learned and figured out how to do this podcast And, and rosie you were you definitely pushed Taylor and I, we definitely felt that imposter syndrome of, you know, does anyone really want to hear from us? What are we going to do? What's it going to look like? You know, the equipment and and the technical side of it was a little bit daunting. And Rosie was like, we're doing it. We're just doing it. And here we are. And I'm really thankful that you did that, Rosie. And I feel like you have added a lot to our leadership by being that voice of diving right into things that are maybe a little bit scary. So I'm very appreciative of that. And I'm excited. I think it's, it's an outlet for us to have some of the conversations that we have internally as both a friend group and an organization in a way that other people can, can join in and, and feel like they're, they're part of these conversations. For sure. I, I feel like a core part of MSJ is the community and all the insurmountable things become way more approachable if you have people behind you, if you have that community and they can provide you with resources and information and guidance and all of all of that stuff. Um, and so that's what that's one of the things that I love about MSJ. We just have such a great, amazing group of folks in our in our community supporting us and supporting each other. One hundred percent. Well, those are the lessons that we can take from today, right? That we need one another, that we're going to fuck it up, and then we got to keep showing up, yep. right? For, for whatever that means in your life, whether it's just showing up for your kids, showing up for your job, for yourself, 
for your partner, uh, for your community. Um, if that means taking that that next step and saying, hey, I think I can lend my voice to my community and run for public office. Yep. You can, you can do it. And as, as we said, you will find the people who will be there to support you along the way. We'll be there. We'll be there. Unless you're yeah, shitty. In our, in our community. Did you say unless you're shitty? Unless you're shitty. Then we won't <laughs> be you, there. Then we won't be there. <laughs> be we'll it. drop you like a hot potato. <laughs> be a good person. Yeah. I think right. that's, that's fair. It's our only requirement. We should also put that on a shirt. Don't be shitty. Don't be shitty. Yeah. I may, apparently our podcast is just going to be a bunch of suggestions of what For we should have on shirts. I have one of our MSJ shirts on you today. It's very cute. By Rosie Fitzgerald. I did a great Resist. job. And I have to show it. It has a bunch of, oh, you can't see it, the leading ladies in history. Yes. Oh, it has a bunch so of different cool. um, feminists from different you know, demographics and times. Yes. It's very cool. All right, y'all. Well, I think we have... We have talked for quite a while, but I've enjoyed this conversation and Ooh. I am excited that we have finished our very first episode of the Moms for Social Justice podcast. Yes. Where we will be talking about all manners of social justice and parenting and being a liberal in the South. If you have any suggestions for future topics or comments or questions, like we're on we're on all of the things facebook uh instagram that the the bird that turned into the x <laughs> tiktok you can find us we're around you can we're around so yeah reach us and let us know what you think of this episode and what you would like to see in the future and remember moms get shit done we do Thanks for listening to the first Moms for Social Justice podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. I know technically we're not quite there yet, but we're going to get there. It's okay. It's a process. That's what this whole episode was about, right? We weren't going to let some of the stuff that we were worried about impede doing the damn thing. So we did it. Um, please give us feedback and let us know what you would like to hear in future episodes or if there are uh, community heroes you would like us to interview. Um, I just want to mention that we are a 501c4 and we are an entirely volunteer run organization. If you would like to uh, donate to us, it would mean the world to us. It just enables us to do things like this and also to support community events and keep those events free or low cost. Um, you can find the donation link on our website, momsforsocialjustice.us. And I uh, can't wait to hear your feedback and we'll see you again uh, in a couple weeks for the next episode. Bye.